Law with Kathy Rue. Kathy uses her years of experience and dedication to guide you through the world of estate planning, probate, wills, and more. Now here's your host, Kathy Rue. Joining us this Monday, it's a great Monday outside, even though we're getting a little sprinkling of rain and some clouds. It's still a great day to be here in the studio. I've got Kevin Ebling, who's my radio host. Hey, how are you? Pretty good. How are you, Kevin? You know, I'm doing pretty well. And speaking of the weather, I just got back from sunny Orlando. I was at the PodFest convention. I was out there, made sure to promote all of our shows, so we should have some new listeners this week. That's awesome. Thank you for doing that. Did you have fun? Oh, it was a blast. It sounds like it would be fun. You should have told me. I would have gone. Oh, (laughs) oh, it would have been great. Yeah. Next year. And we could have done a show right there live. Yes. I actually (laughs) did do a couple of shows there. So next year, we're going to have a booth there and everything for vocal. So get as many shows out there as we can. Oh, that'd be awesome. I would love to go. Count me in. I'm definitely going. We have a special treat for our listeners today. We have a guest with us for today's show. We have Mr. Buddy Knight with Knight's Quest Ministries. Welcome, Buddy. Thank you, Kathy. It's great to be here. Yeah, and I'll go to Orlando, here. too, if you need <laughs> yeah. a show there. I'll be glad to. It's hey, tough, more but someone have to. Yeah. That's right. We'll, I, we'll sacrifice ourselves to help you out, Kevin. We'll, yeah. we'll yeah. fly to Orlando. <laughs> we'll get we the whole gang out your, there. We'll use your expense account as much as we can just oh, to make your well, account you know. just, to help, just to give you that tax break. <laughs> we really want to help you. By that point, the PodFest <laughs> Multimedia Expo will be paying us to come out there. I love that it. I, that would really be nice. <laughs> well, buddy, thank you for joining us today. We're so happy to have you thank here. You. Today's show is going to be on cyber safety staying safe while you're online Mm -hmm. and avoiding a lot of pitfalls and traps that you can easily get into when you're surfing the World Wide Web. Um, Buddy, would you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Okay. I'm a Florida native, hence I love going to Orlando. But I went to the U.S. Naval Academy and got a degree in systems engineering, spent some time on active duty, and then worked in the defense industry. Back in 2001, I graduated Southwestern Seminary, uh, working on my divinity degree, and because I had four kids and needed insurance, I went to the old CompUSA and got a job for benefits because I wasn't stupid. And uh, while I was there in 2001, I had more and more parents just coming and saying, hey, I'm having trouble with my kids. I'm having trouble with my kids on this, or I'm having trouble with my spouse. And it was during that time where I learned that parents didn't have a clue what was out on the internet or what to do to keep their kids safe or even to know what to keep them safe from. Okay, great. So is that how you started Knight's Quest Ministries? Yes, it is. I had a two-week period where just every day in the store, folks were coming by with kids involved with pornography, kids you know, engaged in going out to raves and parties and sneaking out, and parents couldn't track them. And this was before kids all had cell phones. And so were they coming in the store looking for software applications or just general questions or a lot just of both. help? A lot of both, because um, I don't know how many couples came in that had both mom and dad in tears over what was going on. Oh, my goodness. And uh, we had just had some training on software, Norton Internet Security back then, and uh, Spectre, uh, Spectre Pro, they've changed the name a few times, um, for tracking everything. And it was when I had somebody come back and nearly punch me out because what I sold him didn't work. Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> he called me a low-life salesman all like that. That's a bit drastic. Yeah, 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 it it was, but um, at least we're not used car salesmen, but anyway. Um, (laughs) Okay, so were you able to help him turn that situation around and give him better software or better address his his goals? I I helped him address the fact that he didn't do the sensible thing, because I told him when I sold him the software that nothing's 100%, but when you install it, if you follow the directions on screen... You know, it'll make it harder for their kids to get in trouble online and just follow the directions and everything will be okay. And so when he started fussing at me, cussing me out and everything, I said, well, did you change his password? He went, password? And I said, yeah, when you did the parental control wizard at the end, it had you set up passwords for each user. Kids would have kid access, teens, teen access, adults, adult access. And while I was explaining that, he went from being ready to punch me to looking very embarrassed. He said, well, my wife and I really didn't understand that, so we had little Johnny help us. So his son actually helped him set up the password, so he knew yes, all the passwords, so he could passwords. get around the controls. And that's when a light went on, is like, the parents need help. And so I started a program um, 
that year and gave it a few times because we were starting out called Sex Kids in the Internet because you had to get people's attention back then. Mm -hmm. That has since evolved into the Tech Safe Home series, which actually has four different seminars in the series. So tell us about the, that series. Can you can you access that series online? Do you have to attend in person? How does it work? It's a live series that I present either in a religious setting. We are a Christian ministry, but I have secular versions I've given that's been hosted by city governments, PTAs, school systems. And it's a series that's cut up into four different s- segments. There's the Tech Safe Home for Educating Parents, Tech Safe Youth, where I talk to youth about being careful on the internet and give them a little bit more explanation as to how they can impact their future. Then there's the Tech Safe Man, which was asked for by a local megachurch here in the Dallas Metroplex about a year ago. And that's to talk to men specifically, because we're seeing a huge problem with online pornography and relationships destroying marriages, becoming addictions. Okay. And, and then there's one called the Tech Safe Church, where I can educate a church staff or a group of pastors or other church workers on what's out there, what to do when parishioners come and say, hey, I have a problem, but also what the church should be doing as a minimum to protect their own staff and their own parishioners when they're on the church property. Okay, and when they're using the church computers. Right. Is that what your focus is with, with that particular teaching? Right. Okay. And so is there a charge for these seminars? Do you offer them free as a Christian-based ministry, or well, how does that work? Uh, we do have a speaking fee. or a 501c3, but speaking fee helps pay for the cost of the ministry. Mm-hmm. It's on a sliding scale based upon the size of the host. If a church that's only got 100 people needs me to come out because they have problems, We'll find a price that works with them, plus, you know, the customary travel cost. But if it's one of these 10,000-member megachurches, I have to bring a bigger team, and there's a larger speaking fee involved. Okay, that sounds fair. Yeah. It sounds reasonable. I, I don't sell books. I did have a couple of books early on, but all that material is going out on our blog so that it's free. And so how long have you been doing these TechSafe seminars? TechSafe came out about four years ago. Um, I rebranded everything while I was recovering from three small strokes I had in 2012 Mm -hmm. and realized that I could only go to so many churches a year and I could leverage the internet for a lot more. So I just started putting more of my material out there, targeting it into articles such as an article on Roku, what parents need to know. Now, what is Roku? Roku is a streaming TV media box similar to uh, the Amazon Firebox. I have three of them. Yeah. I have none of them. I've never heard of Roku. Yes. The computer, or the computer, I'm sorry, TV in the background that has your logo on it right now, that TV has a built-in Roku. Okay. Yeah. So I'm a huge fan of yeah. Roku. Roku. I, I, I am <laughs> yeah. but I'm a huge fan of cars so long as we follow the traffic laws. And people need to understand what are the risks when they bring this technology into the home and how can they lower the risk to their children and to themselves. Okay, so let's back up a little bit, because I don't know what Roku is. I've never heard of it before until you said the word just now. Okay. So would you please, for a technology toddler such as myself, which is what my children call me, they call me a technology <laughs> toddler, because just like that gentleman yeah. came into your store, I often go to my children for technology assistance. Mm-hmm. And of course, I trust them. I give them my passwords to a lot of my software applications, and they're able to help me with, you know, sometimes. YouTube videos, posting stuff to mm-hmm. Facebook, uploading stuff to Google, sharing files, copying right. files, things like that. So what is Roku? Okay, Roku is a product in a new category of products that uses the internet called streaming media. Now, you probably know that you can get on your computer and you can go to the Netflix website and sign into your Netflix account on a web browser and watch movies on your computer. Yes. Okay, Roku is a very small computer specialized that you can add apps, just like your phone, that allows you to do the same thing, only instead of your computer, it will tie into your TV so that you don't have to have a computer to watch Netflix. You can put it on your 65-inch TV. So is it like Chromecast? Yes. It's similar. Similar. Okay. It's it's similar with I've heard of Chromecast. I love that the remote (laughs) actually has buttons for Netflix, Hulu, Google Play, and Sling. And Sling's what I use for main TV. I'm a cord cutter, so I don't have cable anymore. Yes. I'm a Netflix person. Oh, I love Netflix. Yeah. Yes. But if you still like that old being able to watch some live TV mm-hmm. experience and being able to browse channels, then you can get Sling for 20 bucks a month. And right. It's, it's integrated fully with Roku. But okay. here, here's, here's the problem with Roku. Uh, Roku is different from the other products out there, such as Amazon Fire and Apple TV, in that the Roku box is what's called an open system. 
anybody can make an app for it. And so the, I could make an app for my I, law I profession that. that could go onto yes. Roku. Yes, um, as long as you have streaming media like this show that you want to make available. The problem is the adult media industry also has stepped into the fray. And so there are apps out there that you can have loaded to your Roku that give you access, basically like a Playboy Channel app or a, a Spice TV app or apps from porn sites you've never heard of. The thing is, they're smart about it. One of the ones I researched uh, on Roku actually had two different installation codes. If you used one installation code, the app icon that you saw said what it was, you know, Billy Bob's porn site, whatever it was. If you used the other code, you got an icon that said spreadsheet tutorials to hide what it is. Something that your wife or girlfriend would never click on. Right. Or your mom or dad. (laughs) Or if someone walked past the computer, it looked Mm -hmm. like you were on a spreadsheet. Because this is on, well, it's on your TV, not your computer. So uh, you're watching how to do Excel better, they think. Hmm. When actually it's a cover for going to hardcore pornography. And so those kind of articles are the articles we're putting out there. Um, One of the most popular is our double article, it's a two parter. On something called Open DNS. See, the big problem is all, all Digital, this. What is DNS? Wait, okay. we got to slow down because you know <laughs> I'm the technology yeah. toddler here because I'm okay. learning a lot by what you're saying. I don't know what that is either. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So what is DNS? Okay. Digital networking system. Nope. What, what is uh, DNS? Domain name server, which is confusing even <laughs> you more. Had every word. Right. <laughs> yeah, everyone knows that. That, that, that. That's why I just said let's just talk Open DNS. But what DNS is? It's how your computer, your phone, everything on the internet looks up where you want to go. It's sort of like if I'm at home and I still have one of those big paper phone books and I want to call Vocal Communications, where we are. I go to the phone book, I look it up, and I punch in the number. Well, the same thing happens on the internet with your web browser. If you want to go to foxnews.com, you type in foxnews.com, your computer goes to what's called a DNS server. It's a giant phone book of all the internet addresses of all the servers out there. Okay, and it looks up it Fox lo- News. And- yeah, what's called their IP address or mm-hmm. their phone yes. number, and then it connects you. OpenDNS is a major company in the infrastructure of the internet, but they provide free filtering for homes. And it's great. Um, basically, what they do is they allow you to create a custom phone book by topic. If you don't want nudity or academic fraud or uh, tasteless jokes, all these different things to come into your home, you can block it at the router. And so our most we have one of our most popular articles, like I said, is the two-parter on open DNS, what parents need to know, and how to filter. Okay, so let's jump back a little bit because when you were talking about Night's Quest Ministries, you were talking about the uh, who you provide services mm-hmm. to, and you focused on churches. Do you also provide services to school systems? Yes, I've um, done work for school systems as well as PTAs. Also here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, the city of South Lake has hosted three of my events in the past. Oh, that's awesome. And Because um, I have a secular version of our Tech Safe Home program because... There's not a lot of religion in it. There's some when I'm in a religious environment, because if you can tie that together, it reinforces things for them. But pretty much all religions agree, kids don't need to get into this stuff, because the pornography is different that they're accessing. When I was a kid back in the 60s or 70s, if we got a hold of pornography, it was a Playboy or a penthouse magazine. It was a picture of an undressed girl kicking back on a hay bale, looking sexy or whatever, and... If you wanted something different, you had to wait till your dad got next month's edition in. Today, what's piped into your house through the internet is anything and everything except child pornography. That's a lot harder for folks to access. But using Google in an unfiltered environment, your children can access pornography of every type you can imagine and then the ones you can't. Uh, that includes violence against women. Uh, it includes uh, simulated, hopefully simulated rapes. It include behaviors that you think are dangerous. Mm-hmm. And we need to filter that out from our kids, just like we don't let a child drive a car. We don't let children have access to alcohol and cigarettes at a young age because their bodies haven't matured, their minds haven't matured to where they can handle it. Parents need to filter what's coming into their house because the pornography not only is more pervasive 
in terms of its broad number of what I call genres of, you know, couples, groups, whatever. But they're finding out through science that it's also impacting our development of our children even more. Psychological, emotional development. Even neurological. Uh, The University of Cambridge in England did a study of men who were frequent users of online pornography and found changes in the brain structure virtually identical to the changes they see in a cocaine addict. Well, hold that thought. We are about to go to break. Um, We have a great show. We've got more information coming for our listeners. We're going to talk about legal issues that parents can face. We're going to talk about developmental risk, which Buddy just touched on. Stay tuned. It's the law with Kathy Rue coming up next. the law. Hi everyone, we're back with It's the Law with Kathy Root. Thank you for joining us today. Today's Monday, uh, February 27th, uh, the day before Mardi Gras might add. So tomorrow is Big Fat Tuesday in New Orleans and here in the DFW, there are some local celebrations uh, for Mardi Gras. So check out your DFW calendar to see what's going on to celebrate Fat Tuesday year in the Metroplex. Yeah, I gotta do something. Yes, yes, everyone should do something. I know there were a couple of activities this weekend, like over on Saturday and Sunday. There were a couple of things I saw um, in Dallas, in the Dallas area. But uh, I'm sure they'll have some stuff going on tomorrow um, here because there are a lot of New Orleanians that have been uh, planted here in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Mm-hmm. So we're here today uh, with It's the Law. I'm Kathy Rue, your host. <laughs> I have been uh, practicing law. For over 20 years now, I'm licensed to practice in both Louisiana and in Texas, and I enjoy what I do. I am a solo practitioner. My office is located in Grapevine, Texas. Most of my practice is probate and estate planning. But I also have a general civil practice where I do uh, landlord-tenant, foreclosure, uh, family law cases, divorces, child custody, Um, I also do uh, just a general civil litigation, personal injury, breach of contract, any type of civil case that you have at either the state or the federal level. If I can help you with it, I certainly will try to do so. And um, we have today as our guest on today's show, Buddy Knight with Knight's Quest Ministries. Hey, Buddy. 
Hey, Kathy. Thank you for Thank you joining for us. Me. Oh, yes. We're happy to have you. I always like to bring in guests mm-hmm. to give uh, the listeners a variety of legal issues. Mm-hmm. And we've done some great topics over the past few months. And so this is another great topic mm-hmm. to add to our repertoire. So before we left for, for break, you were talking about some of the online dangers and some of the risks to children, particularly, who are accessing the World Wide Web. And so do you, would you like to talk a little bit more a little bit more about dangers to children? Sure. As our children are growing up in this 21st century high-tech world, and they have access to technologies, and they tend to understand it better than we do, there are some dangers. We know that we've heard many times about predators using the internet and game systems and game networks and other technologies to connect to kids. We have the pornography issue where kids are exposed to material they should not be exposed to as children. Other threats that are there for kids are there are legal threats. Kids can do things online and not realize that they're violating the law. It may be using someone else's password or using someone else's credit card information to creating a fake website that defames a person or using technology such as our cell phone cameras to record people engaged in private activities, not realizing that can be against the law depending on your state and uh, what you're doing. So there's those legal issues. Then you have what I call the reputational risk. Over one-third of employers and about 20 to 25% of colleges now have a applicant's online life checked out. It, they know you're giving them all the great information on your application for scholarship. Everything that's positive, yeah, and nice and positive. shiny and bright. And to give you an example, I had a seminar in South Lake, Texas, a number of years ago, and a father came up to me and said he wished he had attended a seminar like that two or three years before, because he'd just been told that his son did not get a forty thousand dollar a year scholarship because of his social media presence. So Facebook, Instagram, Vine, All Snapchat. So those are real risks. Um, and, and that's what that's what my exposure has been for online security and mm-hmm. cybersecurity, is that um, for children, particularly for children, middle schoolers, high schoolers, who are you know planning their careers, planning where they want their future to be, planning uh, what colleges they want to mm-hmm. go to, um, they run the risk, depending on what they're posting, of having that come up later as an obstacle. Yes in their career path right? because it's my understanding that school admissions offices, Mm -hmm. um, particularly law school admission offices, uh, job, prospective job employers will check social media and will check applications like Facebook is, of course, Mm -hmm. is really popular. Instagram is huge. Uh, I don't know that uh, MySpace has much of a presence anymore. But you've got Snapchat is huge. You've got Vine, which is huge. Mm -hmm. And it's my understanding from a presentation that I attended by the Dallas District Attorney's Office is that that, whatever you're posting online, particularly with Snapchat, even though it disappears off of your phone after you've watched it, say, twice or after it's played for a couple of minutes, Mm -hmm. even though you can't access it, it's still out there on the Internet. It is on someone's server somewhere in Mm -hmm. Can be recovered, so right. it's being stored on some cloud, somewhere in mm-hmm. cyberspace. Right, and I think that that's. I think that sometimes kids, even adults, I think, get misguided by the fact that well, I can't access it on my phone anymore. It's disappeared. <laughs> I took a picture, but now it's gone, so nobody mm-hmm. else can access it. Right. Let, let's use this example. Let's say that the internet and all this social media is a lot like mailing a letter. Okay, on the envelope, you have the address of two where you're sending it, and you have a return address so that they can send back what you've asked for. When you click a link, it's like you sent a letter out or you've sent a picture out, and you want it to be uh, sent back to you or send another page or something else to you. Now, let's say you mail that letter, and it goes first from your house to your city post office. Then it goes to a regional post office. Then it goes to maybe because there's a storm in Chicago, it goes to New York City, up to Alberta, Canada, and then finally makes it around to Chicago where you're trying to send that request. Now, think of it this way. What if at every one of those 
post offices that handle it, they open it up, they make a copy, fold it, back, it back up, up and, and send, send it. it on. Because that's essentially what they're doing electronically. <laughs> electronically, they're doing it. Kevin, what do you think about that? Uh, You're not blushing, are you? No, no. Okay. I'm going to play the fifth. Okay, he, he's trying to recall all those pictures yeah. he sent. Oh, yeah. And I'm teasing. That's not true. Yeah. But um, Kevin, do you I have any thoughts to, to weigh in on this? Um, not particularly. I mean, I, I'm kind of just just listening to you guys. Okay, so and and I've had that too. You know, where I have not necessarily with a picture or a photo or anything like that that's been inappropriate, but perhaps with an email that mm-hmm. I sent, I hit send before I should have, yeah, or before I wanted to, or you know, I I should have kept it and saved it and thought slept on it overnight before I sent mm-hmm. it out. I would say my um, biggest one is I'll, I'll sometimes take a screenshot of a conversation I'm having with someone, meaning to send it to someone else, and I send it to that person. Yeah, so then send they it know to the wrong person. Yes, <laughs> so they know that I've now photo, taken a photograph yeah. of their conversation and sent it out. Yeah. So it's things like that, and it's like once you do that, you know, like I've done that with an email. I sent it out, and I was like, oh, no, I didn't want to send that. How can I get yeah. it back? And I know on some applications, and I, I don't know the name of them, so I don't want to misspeak, mm-hmm. so I won't name any particular software applications. But I know there are one or two out they there do where exist. if yes. you if you you can recover the email if it hasn't been opened by the recipient. Right. But one but there are some where once you hit send, it's gone. And regardless of whether it's opened or not, yeah. you cannot recover it. Just like sending a letter in the mail. Once it's in that US post office box by the side of the road, you're not going in there and getting it back. And that's, that's the real difference with our kids and the trouble they can get in. Back when I was growing up and when you were growing up, we got into trouble very slowly. And it was limited to maybe our neighborhood, a few folks in church, you knew about it. Now it's going around the entire planet, the at the, world. literally at the speed of light. Yes. And so you can become infamous and famous. Overnight. And it never <laughs> goes away. Let's use... Let's look at this example. Uh, several years ago, a whole bunch of celebrities yes. had their phones hacked, and they had in intimate pictures. Um, I do remember that. Yes. Yeah, now, I think, think Gwyneth Paltrow yeah. was one yeah. who had some pictures. Jennifer that Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence. Yes. A yes. uh, whole bunch. Now, these are people... Kate Upton, I think, was yeah. in there. For some reason, it was mostly girls. I don't know why. <laughs> but um, if we look at how much financial power all these people have... I mean, they're big stars. Jennifer Lawrence is one of the highest paid actresses in Hollywood now. They have been unable to get every copy on the internet deleted. And all it takes is uh, little Johnny down in Australia downloaded a picture of Jennifer Lawrence that she doesn't want put out. And she cleans up all the servers. And little Johnny sends it to his friend two blocks down. It, that picture is now back on the internet and going on, on all, all the over servers. the place. Yeah. Yes. So they've spent a lot. What I've read in the the newspapers and in the media is that some celebrities have spent a an enormous amount of money trying to clean their pictures yes. off of servers unsuccessfully. Yes. If you don't want something shared with anybody else on the planet, either don't make it or don't connect it to anything don't connected to the internet. It's like a secret. If, yes. if you want to keep a secret, don't tell anyone. Yes. Because Lock it if up you tell, a flash drive Yes, because if you tell yeah. one person, it's it's going to get out. It's no longer a secret. Right. So the best thing to secure a secret is don't yeah. tell anyone. Do not share it. Like, so, and it, it's the same thing mm-hmm. with, with certain yes. information that is considered intimate or private. Right. Don't share it electronically. Right, because... You don't know who's monitoring it and accessing it between point A and point B. Because literally, if you're in Grapevine and I'm in Fort Worth and I send you a letter uh, via email, that letter may go directly down the internet to you or because of traffic on the internet, just like we do when we're driving on all these constructed freeways all over the place here in DFW. It may bounce. Yeah, it may bounce. We may go... I'm trying to get the grapevine, but I'm going to go via Denton. Right. <laughs> so it may bounce to a server in Denton, to a server in Dallas, right. to a server in Grapevine. So we need to teach our children that there is absolutely no privacy on the internet. I mean, look at some of, and I'm not trying to get political here, but look at former Secretary Clinton. With all the resources she had, all the IT experts, people were able to hack her servers, according to the reports. All the government and corporate servers that have been hacked when companies are spending millions 
on cybersecurity, you have the WikiLeaks folks going in. You have hackers going in, stealing credit card information. What makes you think little Johnny two doors down who's got a paper route knows more than these folks? So, and that's what concerns me too, um, particularly as an attorney and protecting my clients' confidences Mm -hmm. and my clients' um, sensitive information is um, it's not so much for me as a professional that I'm accessing undesirable information off the internet. But for me, it's more of an issue of trying to protect information that I store electronically on my uh, hard drive, on my computer, and trying to prevent people or entities from hacking into that information and stealing it, uh, stealing uh, or accessing my web browser history, accessing my client files that I've stored electronically, those are the type of issues that I've encountered and making mm-hmm. sure that, you know, I have my firewall in place. I have uh, virus security. Yes. I have uh, firewall security. It just, um, when I'm surfing on the mm-hmm. internet, that I also have some type of security uh, for uh, web searching mm-hmm. that lets me know if I'm going to a dangerous site or not, mm-hmm. or a site that has potential viruses or malware attached right. to it that could somehow enter into my so my software, my hard drive, and, and access information that way. Right. So those are the issues that I face as a professional, as a, a practitioner, and, and just and, keeping my client, my mm-hmm. information safe too, my yeah. personal banking information. Because I do a lot of stuff online, like I do my banking online. Mm-hmm. I you know pay on my uh, accounts online. Uh, there's a, people do investments online. So there's a lot of online activity that goes on that's not necessarily negative, but that you also want to secure and protect. We're about to go to break. When we come back, we're going to talk about other online protection that you can use. And Buddy from Knight's Quest Ministries will tell us about uh, different scams that are out there to be aware of. Stay tuned. It's The Law with Kathy Rue. Will and Testament for Good Radio. More It's The Law with Kathy Rue coming up next. Broadcasting with the power of attorney, you're tuned in to It's the Law. 
Welcome back, everyone. It's The Law with Kathy Rue. Thank you for tuning in this Monday afternoon. We're having a great show this afternoon. I'm in the studio today with Kevin Ebling, our radio host. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Kevin. We haven't seen each other in quite a bit. I, I know, it's been way I too long. a couple of shows. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm used to seeing Kevin like maybe almost every week or every 10 days or something like that, it seems. I know. We were like a whole month. Now <laughs> it's been. I think it has been about a month. Now we're back on since track. Since our last show. And uh, we also have a special guest with us today. We have Mr. Buddy Knight with Knight Quest Ministries. Hi, Buddy. Hi, Kathy. Thank you for coming in today and sharing this noon hour with us, talking about cyber safety. Buddy's here with Knight, Knight's Quest Ministries, trying to keep us safe while we're online. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So um, we were talking, when we left, we were talking about potential risks of being online. We talked about children and adults being exposed to nefarious online activity, particularly uh, pornography and inappropriate sexual content. Um, And then we also talked about uh, keeping our own personal information safe and getting hacked Mm -hmm. into either through our phone, our computers, and, and getting our personal information either stolen or public online and how difficult it is uh, to rectify that situation. So I know at the very beginning you gave an example of someone who came into the store where you worked looking for software. Let's go back to that and talk about um, the cyber safety in the home and um, action steps. Okay. Action steps that, that in, at both levels that parents can take at home to keep their kids mm-hmm. safe and to keep their personal information safe. But as a professional, I express to you my concerns mm-hmm. about keeping my own information right. safe and my client's information safe. And let's see if we can talk about that too a little bit. But let's okay. start with action steps. Okay, the first thing parents need to do is make sure their children only have appropriate technology. It doesn't matter how much money the family has or not. A child who is from two to 10 really doesn't need a six or $800 smartphone. They need to be able to contact mom or dad. Mom and dad need to be able to contact them. And so they need a flip phone, something like that. They don't need a smartphone until they're 10, 11, older, older, (laughs) and they need to earn that right. Yes, and I agree with you, and I understand what you're talking about, because I remember when um, I first, my my ex-husband and I first decided to give our kids a cell phone so we could reach them, Mm -hmm. there was a particular cell phone that I was looking at and wanted to get for each one of them, and it only had four buttons on it. That was it. It was just a phone, with, and it was colored. It was like primary colors, Mm -hmm. and one phone was for emergencies, one phone was for mom, one phone was for dad, and then there was one extra button you could program, you know, say a grand mother's phone in or an aunt's phone in Mm -hmm. or older siblings phone in but it only had those four buttons so the child couldn't call anyone else they couldn't surf the internet it couldn't connect to the internet it was strictly for calling mom or dad or you know in an emergency calling the police or uh, an ambulance or 911 or something of that and that was very smart of you i thought that that was an ideal um you know way to resolve that situation because really all i wanted my kids to be able to do was to reach me or their dad. Right. And I wanted to be able to reach them when I needed to. And that was it. I didn't want mm-hmm. them uh, listening to music online. <laughs> I didn't want them uh, surfing online when right. they were supposed to be in school, paying attention in class. I just wanted to be able to communicate with them and track them. That was the other thing yeah. the phone offered. It offered you a tracking device. So as long as the child had the phone on their person, you could find out right. where they were located. And... I do want to say that there are no 100% solutions out there. No, Parents there are Parents need to look at what they want to do. But for younger children, the, I recommend flip phones, 10 and under. For 10, 11, up to about 15, the only phone I would recommend is the Apple iPhone. And that is because it has so many controls and filters built in. You can even set that phone for a maximum volume output so your kids won't blow their ears out listening to ACDC or whatever they're listening to. Um, the Android phone has a little bit more security risk, and it's not as well integrated because every single manufacturer of Android has a slightly different version of Android on their phones. Apple is Apple, and parents can take control of those devices very securely. Apple's done a great job, and they do not pay me to say that. <laughs> okay. So um, let's talk a little bit about power and control of tech and you and using a control admin account and using right. strong passwords. Okay. The one thing I recommend that parents start off with 
is create a separate email address for the family safety, you know, their internet safety. And that will be the parent account for anything else you need for parents' accounts. That will be the one that if you have a filter, if you're using OpenDNS like we talked about earlier, that's the account that they'll have because your kids know your email address. They know your wife's or husband's or whoever else is out there. If they don't know you have that address, they can't go try and figure it out because let's admit, even the nicest kids are going to try and break the rules. But what does that address do? What is the function of it? The function of that is that's the address that you use to log on to internet filters, uh, such as your OpenDNS account, or if you're using NetNanny, which is another product, or um, Covenant Eyes. It's also the account you use as a master family account, say like for either Apple or for Windows. You can have a master family account, and then under it, you can have adult accounts and child accounts. And those are used to log on to the computer itself, and they're age-restricted automatically. But it, the children accounts have to be underneath the parent account. So you're creating a parent account that is different from all the other accounts you're using. And so how does that work differently from just giving everyone, from not having that mm-hmm. main or that first right. parent account and just giving every person their own individual email account? Right. Well, you, can, you still want to do that. Um, Right, but I, I if you do it, if you set it up without that first, that top layer right. of that power, you don't have as much control. Mm-hmm. Uh, both Apple and Microsoft give you a pretty good bit of control, not as much as some parents would like, because we do have what I call digital helicopter parents. But it does give you the ability to set boundaries for your kids, um, and so you need to start off with an family internet safety account that's sort of the master account you use, and since only the mom and the dad or whoever is in the household in responsibility even knows that account exists, the kids can't go try and hack it and change things. But the real weakness with both adults and children, and some people are really going to hate me saying that, is passwords. Some of the most commonly used passwords that they found in these big hacks of Target and other companies is the word password, or one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. People use very, very simple passwords to secure their very, very important banking information, financial, their taxes, everything here. Uh, I have some contacts with the government who work in the area of cyber war and cyber safety. And they say these little eight-character passwords today can be cracked faster than you and I can talk about it. Wow. What I've been told now is that Passwords should have a minimum of 12 characters, Mm -hmm. lowercase, uppercase, numbers, and and special special characters and everything. And you can actually come up with systems. Uh, I talk about it in one of my blogs on passwords to come up with a system so that you can have a different password for every account you have, but you can also remember it. And there are some ways of doing that, but we have to think about our computer security and our identity security just as much as we do our physical security of having keys for the doors and codes for the alarms. Yes, it's it's very different now than when I grew mm-hmm. up. <laughs> because as a child, uh, oftentimes we would leave our doors unlocked and yes, just come and here. go as we pleased. But um, I wouldn't think of doing that now uh, at my house, nor at my office. Would I ever consider, even if I just leave to go briefly to the receptionist's desk or to the restroom, Mm -hmm. you know, I keep my doors locked. And so we have to do that with our electronic doors. If you have five bank accounts, you need five different passwords. Passwords. That's a good point. And you don't share those passwords with folks that you're not really trusting of, like your spouse. Do you change your passwords if... You know, the marriage or the relationship is having some issues. You may, if you have personal accounts that are not jointly held, you may want to change some passwords. But you should change them at least twice a year, no matter what, because you never know what's been compromised. And most of the time we're finding out we were compromised by a break-in with this retailer or that retailer or with the IRS And by that time, we don't know what the hackers have done. So we just need to keep changing the keys to the doors of our electronic lives. Good point. That's an excellent point. Uh, Maybe every year on your birthday, you could go through Mm -hmm. and just rearrange your passwords and use different passwords. And then for those parents out there who are just trying to keep their children's 
their children safe online with all of good intent, mm-hmm. um, be careful to not go overboard Correct. with that because uh, you you want to monitor, but you don't want to create an issue where you're alienating your child either right. in the process. You also want to be thinking about the end game. Our role as a parent is to raise our children so that they can be a responsible, self-controlling member of society. And if we protect them too much for too long, they will never have learned to set their own boundaries. And we all know what happens when kids leave home to join the military, go to college, and they don't know how to set their boundaries. They go hog wild and bad things happen. Yeah, and that's that's something uh, as parents, and I'm a parent. I have four mm-hmm. kids. Um, that's something that uh, we all need to be aware of as parents, not mm-hmm. to be that helicopter hovering, mm-hmm. um, enabling parent that would basically uh, keep the child from developing their own independence, correct, and their own their ability to think and analyze and and make good decisions. Uh, when they're presented with difficult situations. Correct. We need to follow what I call the Jurassic Park rule. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good rule for everyone to follow in regards to your children, in regards to yourself as well. (laughs) We are about to go to break. We're coming up on our last segment when we return. Please stay tuned. We're having a great radio show today. It's The Law with Kathy Rue and Buddy Knight from Knight's Quest Ministries. Providing you her will and testament for good radio. More It's The Law with Kathy Rue coming up next. It's the law. Good afternoon, everyone. Thanks for coming back and joining us on It's the Law with Kathy Rue. I have in the studio with me today Kevin Epling. Hey, Kevin. Hello, hello. He's doing a great job with the audio and the technology here. And speaking of technology, we're talking about cyber safety today, and we have a guest with us, Buddy Knight from Knight's Quest Ministries. Buddy, hi. Thanks for joining us. Where is your business located? Well, we're based out of Fort Worth, Texas, although we've done programs around the country from California to Maryland to Florida up to Chicago. Uh, But we're based here in the middle in 
close to where we can always go see the Cowboys play. In the Great. Rangers. That's awesome. <laughs> and so if anyone who's listening wants to get in touch with you, how can they reach Knight's Quest Ministries or how can they reach you? The best place to start is at our website, www.knights, plural, knightsquest.org. Uh, we also have a blog, where, which is at blog.knightsquest.org, and that's got 140-plus articles uh, on everything from Christian purity, which is part of our ministry that we uh, would talk about separately, but also articles on how to filter your home network for free. If you visit our website, there's a green box on the right-hand side with a list of blog articles to get you started on having a tech-safe home. Great. And is there a phone number that yes. they can call? 817 715 4074, or they can send me an email directly to buddy, B-U-D-D-Y, at knightsquest.org. Okay, great. And, and do you also have secular information? Because I know you said you have a lot of Christian information right. for purity on your website, but is there a secular version of the technology information for keeping kids safe online? Right. The, all of our programs on technology have a secular version. Um, whether I'm speaking to kids or just to men or to parents. Online, uh, a lot of the material, we don't have two totally separate websites, but a lot of our material is not, shall we say, overly religious because the religious issue isn't what we have to discuss. It's sort of like... It's Dave, technology that yes, you have technology. to discuss. <laughs> it's sort of like with Dave Ramsey. You know, Churches and religious organizations say, be a good steward of what God gives you. Dave tells us how. And so we want to sort of be the Dave Ramsey of technology safety. Okay. So give us your website address one more time. www.knightsquest, K-N-I-G-H-T-S-Q-U-E-S-T dot O-R-G. And you can go there and get about 140 articles on making your... Right. Technology, your home safe technology-wise and staying safe online. Right. You can uh, click on the link to our blog. Or you can go to our new YouTube channel that we're experimenting with, and it's even got a two-part video on how you can lock down your child's iPhone really tight. Okay, great. So now when we were at break, we you and I talked a little bit about antivirus, anti-malware, mm-hmm. which is a big issue for me as a professional. We talked about that right. because that is what keeps my information safe on my computer from hackers, intruders, um, various viruses and malware that's out there when I'm surfing, when I'm visiting different sites. And we also talked about scamming and phishing a little bit and camera security. Can you go into that a little bit more detail for us? A lot of people think antivirus and anti-malware is a pain in the neck. And they're not far from being wrong sometimes. But it's a bigger problem, just like a legal issue or, shall we say, an automotive accident. We don't like to think about it because we don't want to deal with what could happen, but we have insurance. And your antivirus, anti-malware software is your insurance. And you need to realize that's an annual cost you're going to have to pay to have both antivirus and anti-malware, which is sometimes in the same internet safety package, depending on the product. And you have to do a subscription. You have to have new stuff all the time because the bad guys are changing their tools all the time. If you buy something now and two years from now you haven't updated your program and got the new version, your two-year-old software won't know the new threats even exist. So the most important thing is to find a good, solid, recommended antivirus and anti-malware package. And I use two separate ones because they're a little bit different. It's like having um, a circular saw and an old manual saw. You're attacking things differently. And then you need to make sure you update it regularly. Uh, Most of them have virus signatures and malware signatures that come out weekly. So make sure it's set for automatic updates, or if you're using some of the free products, which may not have automatic updates, just once a week, make sure you do an update while you're checking your bank accounts or your emails. Uh, And that's what you need to have to give yourself basic protection. Most of those products, at least one, will have a web security app that will fold into your browser, whether you're using Chrome or Safari or whatever. And then you just have to use some common sense. Uh, One of the most popular uh, calls I get is from people, including relatives, who suddenly have been surfing and this alarm goes off on their sound and a screen comes up saying, this is Microsoft. 
you are infected. You're about to lose everything. Your computer's going to blow up and take your house with it, something like that. <laughs> I've gotten those. Yeah. Okay. And they say, what do you do? And what I tell folks is you turn the computer off. Don't log off. Just hit the on-off button, turn it off, because you've hit a site that's probably used a script or a fake web page to throw that up there. Then you just need to run your antivirus, anti-malware to make sure there aren't any remnants around. The fact of the matter is everyone's going to get a virus infection at one point in time. That's why we need good quality software that not only detects and protects, but quarantines but it. Quarantines it and cleans it. Yes. And I know what this has happened to me, and I've had to be extremely careful about it. I get tons and tons of emails. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I was told, and you know, I've learned the hard way to follow this rule. Never, ever, ever open a zip file unless you know who sent it Correct. to you. Never, ever open a zip file. Never. Never. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> even, and even if you know who sent it to you, call them and verify it. Because yes. I've even had that experience where I've had someone duplicate a person that you yes. know is closely connected to me, duplicate their email address, send me a zip file under their email name, mm-hmm. and you know, it contained a virus. Mm. So never, ever open a zip file. And if you get one with someone's name on it that you know, a spouse, a son, a daughter, a sister, a relative, Mm. someone of that nature, call them and verify that they did actually send you a zip file before you open it. Correct. And you were talking earlier about wanting to protect your practice and your business. And one of the more newsworthy threats that we're hearing about lately is what's called ransomware where a virus will come in, it yes. will encrypt everything on your hard drive and say, if you don't pay us $500 or three bitcoins or whatever they're asking for, you're never going to get access to your data again. There are two things I recommend to give yourself some protection on that. First is everybody at home and at work needs a good backup system. And if it's for the business, don't do it yourself. Get a professional to come in and make sure that all your data is backed up. Studies have shown that companies that lose their computer data have about 80% chance of not being in business one year later. The other thing is there is a product that uh, one of my government friends told me about that's pretty good at inoculating and protecting from ransomware. And it's called CryptoPrevent, C-R-Y-P-T-O, Prevent, all one word. And let me just give you their website. They don't ask me to do this. They don't even know I exist, I don't think. But it's foolishit.com. And they understand that they accidentally made a funny web address. <laughs> uh, and they, they laugh with it, but it is foolishit. It is funny. And, uh, you know, try Crypto Prevent is a good tool to use. It's well regarded. But remember... Nothing's 100%, so back up all those pictures of your kids growing up. Back up all your tax records. And I recommend... And you can save them to the cloud. You can save them to the cloud, which is encrypted. Back up all your recorded radio shows. Yes, that too. (laughs) But also, I recommend in addition to using the cloud for backup, thumb drives are cheap. Yeah. And so get four thumb drives that will hold all your stuff and have one for week one, week two, week three, week four. And back them up weekly. Two last things, because we're about to end that show. Camera security. Camera security. You need to cover your webcam. If you have the kind that's plugged into your computer, just unplug it unless you're using it. There are bad guys who are turning on webcams without your knowledge. If you have a laptop or an iMac or something like that, cover that webcam with a Post-it. Don't put tape directly on the camera, but cover it so that you can... Keep somebody from spying on you because there are some bad guys out there. I swear, if all these bad guys turned over a new leaf and went toward good stuff, we'd have a cure for cancer and inner space travel now. <laughs> Last point before we leave. We've got about 30 seconds left. Okay. Private, uh, legal issues. Um, right. Privacy rights versus monitoring rights. Right. Um, depending on the state you're in and depending on what your state legislature is doing, parents may have monitoring rights for kids' phones. They may have limits on those rights. If you think you need to monitor one of your children's phones, check with a lawyer in your state who is familiar with cyber privacy rights because it's changing. Cyber privacy laws are changing left, right, and sideways. Uh, I read in one case in New England where a wife or a husband, I can't remember, was convicted of a felony for figuring out their spouse's email password. In the webcam case, you told me about the Philadelphia right. web- webcam case? Yes. 
It, uh, if there's a camera, cover it up until you need it. Okay. Keep that lens cap on. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today and learning about cyber safety with Buddy Knight from Knight's Quest Ministry. This is Kathy Rue. It's the law with Kathy Rue. Stay tuned. We will be back next month for our next radio show. Looking forward to another exciting topic. Have a great week. <laughs>